Gas prices have officially reached an all-time record high, and instead of allowing America to produce our own oil, the Biden administration is blaming Russia and anything else they can to divert from their complete and utter destruction of America from within. If you ever needed a bigger example of how much this administration hates you, our transportation secretary basically just told Americans feeling the weight of rising gas prices to go buy an electric car as our press secretary continues to blatantly lie to our faces. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. I hope you guys are at home listening to this one. You're not driving anywhere because if you are... Uh, you're using up that gas, guys. It's hit historic highs, okay? We are jumping straight into the show today because we have so much to cover. I have downloaded 17 clips. 17. Why so many clips for today's show? Why so many videos? Because that's how much we are being lied to by the entire Biden administration. And you know I love to show you guys these lies and let you listen to them from their own mouths. So we're going to be going very in-depth today on the rising gas prices in America, the complete destruction of our country, who is truly responsible for that. Spoiler alert, it's not Russia. We're going to be going over the Russia-Ukraine propaganda that is still being pushed into our faces and do an update on COVID news, because while we've all been focused in on Russia and Ukraine, uh, the FDA was forced to release 10,000 uh, clinical trial documents from Pfizer. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Please remember that you can find this show on podcast, anywhere podcasts or stream, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all that good stuff. And if you do like the show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Pod. I read every single one, and it encourages me to keep this show going. And it also helps us grow in the charts and help other people find the show. So please go leave that five-star review if you do like the show. And also remember to go follow me on all of my other socials. I'm primarily on Twitter Truth Social and Instagram. So all of the links are down below. For Truth Social, you can find me at Sav Says. Go follow me over there if you are currently active. Now let's jump into this news. Starting off with the fact that the U.S. national average price of gasoline has hit a new all-time record high. Now this news broke yesterday, and I'm just going to go ahead and play us some B-roll of what that looks like for everybody. For my podcast listeners, this is from a gas station in Dallas, and the price of the gas starts at $369, and you just watch it go all the way up to, uh, it's still going, it's going to 406 in Texas. Now I was in Washington DC this past weekend covering the trucking convoy. If you'd like to go see my footage of that, by the way, go to my Instagram, go to Truth Social or go to Twitter. It was quite a fun event and I got to talk to all of the truckers that are, are currently right now protesting in Washington DC and looping around that beltway. They are trying to speak for not the majority, but the minority that are still being impacted by vaccine mandates. We're talking firefighters, police officers, uh, medical personnel, military members that are still being kicked out of their jobs and fired for not being vaccinated. So that's what what I was covering this past weekend, but while covering this event, I had to stop for gas. Okay. In Washington, DC, I was actually in Virginia headed to Maryland because that's where they were at. And the closest gas station, the price of gas per gallon was $4 and 70 cents per gallon. 
I was baffled and I looked on my little app and it said that there was gas for 380 down the road, went down to that gas station. Yeah, it was permanently closed down. So I ended up having to pay that 470 for gas and it was absolutely horrific. And I was like, I want to go back home to Texas right now. But now, like I just played you this video of from a gas station in Dallas, even here in Texas, our gas prices have hit that $4 mark. According to Gas Buddy data, the national average has risen 49.1 cents per gallon in the last seven days, the largest seven-day rise in history, surpassing the 49 cent per gallon rise after Hurricane Katrina. That comes from Gas Buddy, so we're all feeling the implications of the Biden administration on our wallets. This entire administration, though, they never take responsibility for anything. So who do you think they're blaming for this entire gas debacle, these rising prices, the supply chain, the rise in food prices, the inflation, the destruction of our economy, rising crime rates, uh, the absolute and total obliteration of America? Who do you think they're blaming for that? Maybe the people in charge? Maybe the uh, president of the United States tasked with leading our country through hard times? No. Guess who they're blaming? You already know the answer. That's right, Russia. Joe Biden was in Fort Worth today to meet with veterans. And you can't hear it at the beginning of this clip, but this reporter asks, hey, Joe Biden, um, what's going on with gas prices? This is what he responded with. It's going to go up. Can't do much right now. Russia's responsible. So there's Joe Biden, as per usual, turning his back to the press. They ask him, so what's going on with gas? Oh, uh, it's Russia. It's Russia's fault. Uh, okay, reporter goes, what are you going to do about it? Not much I can do now. That's the president of the United States. Now, the most frustrating part about this entire situation is that America can be oil independent. We do not need to rely on foreign countries for oil. We don't need to rely on OPEC. We don't need to rely on Venezuela or Saudi Arabia. Just in this broke today, U.S. officials have demanded Venezuela supply at least a portion of oil exports to the United States as part of any agreement to ease oil trading sanctions on the OPEC member nations. That is per Reuters. And why are we asking Venezuela to or <clears throat> demanding that Venezuela supply a portion of oil exports to the United States? Why is it that Axios is writing President Biden's advisors are discussing a possible visit to Saudi Arabia this spring to help repair relations and convince the kingdom to pump more oil? Why is it that we are seeing the Biden administration ask these foreign countries to produce more oil? It's not because of Russia. It's not because Joe Biden banned Russian oil exports or imports today. It's not because of that. It's because we can be oil independent here in America. And that is why gas prices, first time I ever saw it in my life, reached as low as a dollar in some areas of America while Donald Trump was in office because Donald Trump understands that America can produce our own oil and we don't need to rely on these foreign countries. What was one of the first things that Joe Biden did when he got into office on his first day? What were those executive orders that he signed? My father, who works in the fracking and oil industry, he can tell you, I can tell you, Joe Biden canceled the Keystone Pipeline. Joe Biden banned fracking on federal lands. What just happened in the Gulf of Mexico? A federal judge canceled uh, oil lease, oil land leasing over there. 
I can't, I'm trying to think of the correct terminology used in the media, but basically uh, there's no leases for more drilling of oil in the Gulf of Mexico because of climate change. Federal judges are like, oh, well, we have to think about climate change and the Biden administration really has to adhere to that. So we just can't, you know, um, have any of our own oil supply be used here in America. Yeah, we have to completely go uh, green on energy. And uh, like Pete Buttigieg said, if you are really feeling those implications at the gas pump, it's just because you're a bad person and you're not driving an electric vehicle. Why do you hate Mother Earth? I mean, come on, guys. So reporting on all of this, we do not need to rely on Saudi Arabia. We do not need to rely on Russia. We do not need to rely on Venezuela. We can be oil independent here in America. We were oil independent under Donald Trump. But Joe Biden single-handedly backtracked and reversed everything that Donald Trump did. And that is why you are paying historic highs for gas. That is why in California, gas prices has have reached $6. This is not because of Putin. This is not because of Russia and Ukraine. No, the entire Biden administration is blatantly lying to you right now instead of taking responsibility for their bad policy. But of course, they're not going to take responsibility for it because this is the planned destruction of America anyways, the great reset, if you will. And just a further example to just really highlight this great reset, right? Uh, let's listen to who's in charge. This is Joe Biden on Putin, the same man that he blocked uh, oil imports ports from today. Let's listen to Joe Biden, the president of the United States, one of the most powerful countries in the world. This is our leader right now. How do we get to the place where, you know, Putin decides he's going to just invade Russia? Nothing like this has happened since World War II. Well, I can see why tensions are rising because Putin has invaded his own country. Can't do that. Joe Biden, what are you doing? You're old. You're senile. You have dementia. Please step down. We all understand that you are pumped full of drugs every day and Joe Biden is forcing you to do this, that Obama is pulling the strings behind the scenes, and that you're getting us into World War III because the military industrial complex needs to make more money. We all see it. And the average American is so tired of being lied to. But because the Biden administration was, <clears throat> I don't want to say illegally installed because YouTube will immediately delete me. So I'll just say the election was fortified. Uh, because the election was fortified in favor of Joe Biden, it's so funny to me, too, because people on the right even are like, 81 million votes. If you don't like rising gas prices, you voted for this. 81 million people voted for this. No, they didn't. 81 million people did not vote for Joe Biden. OK, YouTube, delete me then. I don't give a damn. 81 million people did not vote for Joe Biden. Give me a freaking break. OK, seriously, I would I would believe that Hunter Biden has been sober his whole entire life and never smoked Parmesan cheese over what I just said to you, okay? So that's where we're currently at in our entire country. But the Biden administration continuing to lie to us every single day. Uh, Jen Psaki trying to lie her way through every single press conference as reporters on not only the right now, but even, I guess, what you would call the left, questioning her and trying to take her to task regarding what's going on in this country. Uh, this is from a presser today. Let's listen to Jen Psaki trying to run damage control for Joe Biden's complete and utter destruction of this country. Um, I want to read to you, if I could, Jen, some comments from people we've met at gas stations today. One woman saying, I just never imagined to see the cost of gas be this high. Another said, it's a huge stressor to my financial situation, a huge stressor. 
kind of like something I've stressed about, like during the day, will I be able to afford gas? How much money do I have? What is the White House, what is the President's message to Americans who are going to the gas station today and seeing prices so high? Well, the President's message is that he is going to do everything we can, everything he can, to reduce the impact on the American people, including uh, the price of gas at the tank. What is also true is that because of the actions of President Putin, because he invaded a sovereign country, that created instability in the markets. That is something the President talked about even before uh, Russia and President Putin moved forward with their actions. Okay, so one of my biggest frustrations with the press pool right now, even Peter Ducey of Fox News, who's usually right on the ball, he even asked Jen Psaki, um, it seems like you guys are trying to blame Putin and Russia. And, um, you know, there was already issues beforehand. So why are you trying to blame Russia? If I was a part of that press pool, I'd be like, excuse me, Jen, can you answer the question of why you're blaming Russia for rising gas prices when Joe Biden single handedly canceled the Keystone pipeline and has shut down oil drilling here in America and fracking here in America. Can you explain that? Because those two seem to be, um, you know, tied to each other. Those two issues seem to coordinate with each other. They seem to coincide. So can you explain that to me, Jen Psaki? Because if we opened up the Keystone Pipeline right now, if we actually had the ability to be independent here in America on our own oil supply, we wouldn't be in this situation. Let Jen Psaki answer that question, but everybody in the press pool, for some reason, doesn't want to ask the real question that needs to be asked. Even in the own press pool, they're still trying to bring up the whole Russia-Ukraine situation. Stop bringing up up Russia and Ukraine. Russia is not our country. Ukraine is not our country. America is our country. So get Ukraine and Russia out of your mouths and start asking the questions. Why did you shut down American pipelines? Why are we not allowed to be dependent on American oil supplies? Those are the questions that this press pool needs to be asking. Again, the Biden administration absolutely hates you. The press does as well. I'll show you some clips of that. And this has been their answer, okay, not only just blatantly lying to us about how Russia is responsible for the rise in gas prices. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure this conflict started a little bit over, what, like a month ago, three weeks ago, and the gas prices are rising this exponentially this quickly. I don't think that's how that works, Jen. I, I really don't. I think that this was a bigger issue a cancer that was growing and spreading, and now we're finally seeing the consequence of not treating it. So Jen Psaki lies to our faces because she knows that Americans know what's going on. She knows that we know, we know that, you know, we know, and we know that she knows that we know, but everyone's just dancing around it. And then we have um, our transportation secretary of all people, Pete Buttigieg, uh, coming forward and basically saying, well, you know what, if you are struggling with gas prices, maybe you should just buy a Tesla or uh, an electric vehicle, everybody. Let's listen. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. Wow, that's so great. So if you have an electric vehicle, the Biden administration has invested to help you out. But if you um, don't have one, then maybe you should just get one. So yeah, that's the only path forward. We're going to keep pushing that green energy on you guys. And we want zero emissions for oil. So um, 
Yeah, we had the EPA administrator coming forward and saying that. I'll play that clip here for you in a minute. But just to really, you know, drive home and put the cherry on top of this big Sunday of the Joe Biden administration completely hating you, the average middle American who just wants to pay your bills and live your life in your own country. Um, Another extension of this issue is the propaganda arm of this administration, right? The media, the celebrities, the late night talk show hosts who also help perpetuate this ridiculous narrative of not only everyone just needs to drive an electric vehicle and then we wouldn't have these problems, but also, well, if gas prices are high, it's just because like Joe Biden's a really good person and he like told Russia that we're like not going to buy oil from them. So it's just like actually Joe Biden is doing this to us out of the goodness of his heart. And if you can't see that, then like you're just an idiot. Let's listen to Stephen Colbert. Talk about rising gas prices. And before you listen to this clip, keep in mind that this is a man with a net worth of $75 million. Let's listen. Russia has been hit with a series of crippling sanctions, and it looks like there's more to come because the U.S., and its European allies are now discussing banning imports of Russian oil. Take that, Putin. We're not going to buy our gas from a war criminal. We're going to buy it from the good guys, Saudi Arabia. (laughs) But it's going to cost. Since the invasion, oil prices have skyrocketed. Today, the average gas price in America hit an all-time record high of over $4 per gallon. Okay, that stings, but a clean conscience is worth a buck or two. I'm willing to pay. It's important. It's important. I'm willing to pay $4 a gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon because I drive a Tesla. Because I drive a Tesla. (laughs) Everyone freaking laughs. So again, uh, this is the introduction and that continued push of this narrative of like, well, you wouldn't have to be dealing with this if you just drove an electric vehicle. Uh, Pretty sure we wouldn't have to be dealing with this if we didn't have incompetent assholes in government. But that's just me. Pardon my French there. Now, again, continuing on with this extension of the media's complete lies, HuffPo put this tweet out today. The reporter tries to blame rising gas prices on the Biden administration rather than Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. And of course, they're talking about Peter Ducey. And it is this headline right here that I just had to highlight because it perfectly encapsulates the lying media. So they're writing the narrative that they want you to believe right before your very eyes here. They, the reporter's just trying to blame rising gas prices on the Biden administration instead of Vladimir Putin. I love the comments on this too, because first off, you have some sad brainwashed person who immediately goes, the rise in the price of gas is not in the hands of Biden, but he's like doing his best to reduce it. That person has negative four brain cells. So, you know, we're not going to make fun of the handicapped. Uh, the person underneath that goes, so are we just going to pretend it wasn't rising before Russia invaded Ukraine? Beautiful point there. Really beautiful point, because if I remember correctly, gas prices were about half as high as they were a year ago. I drive a Toyota Corolla. It usually takes me from like gas light on empty to full $20 to fill up my gas tank. I paid $40, almost $50 last week. Now it's going to be even higher Thanks a lot, Joe Biden. And you know things are bad, too, when the biggest manufacturer of electric vehicles in the U.S., Elon Musk, is even saying, hate to say it, but we need to increase oil and gas output immediately. 
Extraordinary times demand extraordinary measures that got almost half a million likes. So Elon Musk could be taking advantage of this entire situation and being like, oh, no, you don't want to pay for rising gas prices. You should just buy a Tesla. I'm going to put out a model that's at a discount rate because buy a Tesla because gas prices are so high. But Elon Musk, being a fellow American and understanding the implications of us having a shortage of oil and gas output. Uh, yeah, he even is like, yeah, I'm not going to take advantage of this. This is not a good situation for anybody. Like, please, God, somebody do something, please. So uh, understand how bad the situation is. And this is something that was already all predicted. None of this is surprising. None of this comes to a shock to any of us. That is why many on the right did not want Joe Biden in office, because we knew that he was going to reverse all of the business deals, essentially, that Donald Trump made. Donald Trump got this country back on track. He, uh, you know, got our economy back into shape and he lowered those gas prices for us. Again, I had never in my entire life seen one dollar gas under Donald Trump, it was $1 gas all day, every day. I was filling up my gas tank just for funsies because gas was so cheap. Now I'm about to go buy a damn bike. So all of this predicted by Donald Trump, actually, let's listen to an old clip of Donald Trump warning what would happen if Joe Biden got into office. We have more oil than anybody, okay? And it's uh, an incredible thing that have, it's happened over the last few years, a lot of great things, and you're paying, what, $2 a gallon for your gasoline? That's okay. You know what that's like? That's like a tax cut. That's bigger than a tax cut. If Biden got in, you'd be paying $7, $8, $9. Didn't they say, get rid of your car? So there was Donald Trump predicting six, seven, eight dollars per gallon gas. And, you know, Donald Trump, he was a showman. He was always a little bit exaggerative. I don't know if that's a word it is now with his analogies, with what he was going to predict for the future. And I was like, come on, guys, seven dollars for a gallon, eight dollars for a gallon. Relax. Yeah. It's $6 right now. We're at the beginning stage of his prediction. Remember the movie I Am Legend? The gas prices that they they put up there that they predicted would be as high as they could possibly be during an apocalypse? We have officially surpassed that. We are even higher than apocalyptic predicted gas prices in the movie I Am Legend. And I honestly, at this point, I'm like, wow, you know what? I think that gas could potentially reach $10 a gallon with the way that our country is headed within the next six months to a year. So hopefully I'm wrong on that one. But with the way things are looking, the fact that the Biden administration is begging Venezuela and Saudi Arabia to output more oil to us and to help us out, guys. Remember when he was begging OPEC and Russia to export more oil? It's just such a joke. And we are so weak and pathetic right now as a country. We are supposed to be a global leader, but we have Joe Biden groveling on his knees to these various regimes that we used to condemn. Now we're groveling to these same exact regimes and are like, oh, please help us because we stopped producing our own oil and now everything's just kind of really bad. And I know that it was like our administration's fault, but like we don't want the American people to know that. So luckily, um, uh, um, Russia invaded Ukraine so we could like blame it on that. But also people are kind of getting mad and even people that voted for Biden are, are kind of worried and like, I don't know, like, please help Venezuela and Saudi Arabia, please. So... 
that's this entire pathetic administration just groveling on their knees. Ugh, ugh. It's just very upsetting. And it's not like I want Joe Biden or this administration to fail because I'm living in the same America that I'm reporting on. You think I want to pay four plus dollars for a gallon of gas? Ugh, my heart literally hurts saying that. I just had that full realization of how many dollars $4 is plus however many gallons of gas it takes to fill up my vehicle, which again is small. I don't have a family. I don't have kids. Imagine having to take your kid to school every day and you have to drive a bigger vehicle because you have kids because they have bags and car seats and all of these things that they need. The average American family is really suffering from this. Now, Donald Trump also predicted um, during a UN meeting that the countries relying on Russian oil were also going to uh, face repercussion in the future if they continued to do that. The German delegation was caught on camera laughing at him. But again, Donald Trump just making those predictions. Let's listen to this quick clip. Reliance on a single foreign supplier can leave a nation vulnerable to extortion and intimidation. That is why we congratulate European states such as Poland for leading the construction of a Baltic pipeline so that nations are not dependent on Russia to meet their energy needs. Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately change course. Here in the Western Hemisphere, we are committed to maintaining our independence from the encroachment of expansionist foreign powers. So there was Donald Trump in not one but two clips predicting exactly what is currently going on in the modern day. And I'm not saying that Donald Trump is like the smartest man in the world, uh, but he was a smart man and anybody could have predicted this. And that's why we're currently living through it. But remember that this is all done by design. We are constantly talking about the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, all of that because that's essentially what this is. And we are seeing that intense push for green energy from not only Stephen Colbert, from Pete Buttigieg, but also our EPA administrator, Michael Reagan, who says that they're pressing the accelerator to reach a zero emissions future sooner than most people thought. So what does that look like and sound like to you? It sounds like the Great Reset. Oh, well, we're going to go ahead and take advantage of the fact that oil is, uh, you know, skyrocketing, that gas is skyrocketing and continue to press Americans and pressure them and pressure them and ruin their lives and make it so financially difficult for them not to listen to us and give into this green energy supply that is not going to be feasible in the long run. And we're going to keep doing that and until they finally capitulate. So uh, let's listen to the EPA administrator right now. Under President Biden and Vice President Harris's leadership, we're pressing the accelerator to reach a zero emissions future sooner than most people thought. EPA's two announcements today are about seizing the opportunity that technology presents and driving towards a cleaner, healthier, more just future for all of our children. So every single time these politicians talk about green energy, they always make it sound like this amazing thing and it's saving the earth. But go look at what a lithium mine to create batteries for electric vehicles look like. looks like. Go look at the impact that it has on the earth. Go look at the realities of windmill mills. Go look at the 
different energy sectors that have gone green and then fail. Also, Christian Walker put out this tweet today, and it actually makes a very good point. He lives in California. He says, the mayor in L.A. threatened to turn our electricity off during the pandemic if we didn't cooperate with his rules. I'll pass on an electric car. And this is the exact point right here. Now, remember what happened during COVID. Remember what happened to all of the people that didn't comply. Look at what happened in Canada to the truckers who pushed back against the government. No matter what the issue is, if you push back against your government and they have enough power to shut down your banking, shut off your electricity, shut off your car, and ruin your whole entire life in an effort to make you submit, they will absolutely do it. And we have seen that time and time again from not only our own government, but the Canadian government, New Zealand, Australian government, various governments all over the world. So this tweet right here is it, okay? This is why they want us all to have these electric vehicles so they can further control our ability to be free and go drive and have our own ability to depend on ourselves, not the government who, again, does supply our electricity. And, I mean, look at right now even, too, with the whole entire gas situation, our government handicapping us on that. On that, It's not looking good for anybody. So... That's what's currently going on here in America and the administration diverting everything to Russia and Ukraine. So I'm going to spend now about 15 minutes debunking all of the lies that are currently coming out of that entire situation. Now, before we start here, I just want to preface this and say that war is bad, conflict is bad, and there are people, innocent people on both Ukraine side and Russia side that are being persecuted because of this, that are being impacted because of this, that are having to face the devastating consequences of war. But I want us to understand why Putin made the decision that he did, because one of my main questions during this entire situation was, what was the catalyst? What was that switch that went off for Putin that finally made him say, I'm invading Ukraine? Because if he was really this off-the-handle, crazy dictator communist, like everybody makes him out to be, why wouldn't he have started things with Donald Trump? Why wouldn't he have tried to, you know go crazy under Donald Trump. And, you know, of course, the left is going to be like, oh, well, because uh, he was paid off by Russia because Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians, blah, blah, blah. No, what I really think it was, was that Donald Trump um, was a very strong leader. And Putin knew that if he effed around, he was going to find out, as did Soleimani from Iran. Now, let's go ahead and, and jump into this news. I saw this headline the other day. Russia says that the West arming Ukraine will cause a global collapse in a chilling warning. And this comes from yesterday, March 7th. Earlier today, Vladimir Putin demanded Ukraine must distance itself from NATO, lay down its arms, and recognize Russia's claims to Crimea, and to acknowledge that Donetsk and Lugansk are independent states before war can end. My apologies for butchering those names there. And I read this headline and I'm like, this global collapse is going to be caused if Ukraine doesn't listen to Russia. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, the global collapse is already happening here in the West because of our own politicians. For example, Adam Kinzinger says, this is a good moment to renew my call for a no-fly zone at the invitation of the Ukraine government. I fear if this continues, we will have to intervene in a bigger way. Now, for those of you who may not understand war, a no-fly zone is essentially a declaration of war. 
Zelensky is calling for this exact same thing. And even many people in the West, even many of the warmongering politicians are like, okay, no fly zones, kind of wild. Our own media, who continuously lies to us, has written articles about the realities and repercussions of a no fly zone. It's a declaration of war. But of course, Adam Kinzinger, who's not going to go fight in this war if we get into it with Russia your family members will, calling for that no-fly zone. It's not only him. We also have people on the Republican side of things because, of course, we're going to call out both sides, anybody calling for war right now. Lindsey Graham says, is there a Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful uh, Colonel Stauffenberg in the Russian military? The only way this ends is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country and the world a great service. So Lindsey Graham, a sitting U.S. congressman calling for the assassination of a world leader. As I just said with Adam Kinzinger, is Lindsey Graham going to go fight in this war? No. Your brother, your sister, your aunt, your cousin, your mom, your dad are going to go fight in this war, not Lindsey Graham. So disgusting rhetoric from our elected officials. Another thing that was very interesting that we talked about during my mildly okay explanation of what was going on between Russia and Ukraine at the beginning all of this was bioweapons labs. Now I found this video, Twitter immediately deleted the account that exposed and researched the entire bioweapons labs theory. And in the video, it basically said that Russia was targeting and bombing bioweapons labs or biological research facilities, if you want to be correct here with the terminology, and that NATO and Ukraine were essentially creating bioweapons on the border of Russia. Russia was not happy with this, so they were targeting those bioweapons labs. Then everyone, of course, came out in the media and were like, that's a lie, that's fake, that, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, um, today our Secretary of State, Victoria Newland said that Washington is working with Ukraine to prevent biological research facilities from falling into Russian hands. Yes, the same facilities that got that one account, I can't remember the exact name of it, completely deleted off of Twitter because apparently it was fake news. Let's listen to our U.S. Uh, Secretary of State. Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. So there's that. And again, our media, this was from USA Today, Last week, fact check, false claim of U.S. biolabs in Ukraine tied to Russian disinformation campaign. Ukraine U.S. biolabs in an ongoing Russian disinformation campaign. Snopes said it was false. And um, yes, just to clarify my earlier statements, that was the initial theory that it was U.S. biolabs, my apologies, in Ukraine. And Russia was upset because they were like, why is the U.S. creating bioweapons on our border? And then people matched up the maps of where Russia was bombing versus where the um, bio labs, the U.S. funded bio labs were in Ukraine and they matched up very well. That video can be found on my locals page or on my secondary Instagram account at Tranquil Sav if you would like to go 
watch it. So I thought that was very interesting that yet another conspiracy theory turned out to be true. There are confirmed U.S. funded biolabs in Ukraine. And now we're going to get into the lead up to this entire conflict. Now, I talked about this a little bit, but I really want to go more in depth with it. And I found this article from Tablet Mag called Ukraine's Deadly Gamble. Now, this was my light reading that I did on my flight to Washington, D.C., because I was very interested in maybe a little bit of Russia's side to this story. I would highly encourage you guys to go read this article as well to get a better understanding, but I'm going to go ahead and give you the cliff notes. So it basically talks about how Putin wanted to prevent NATO from expanding to Russia's border. Um, Basically, Putin found that the U.S. government's relationship with Ukraine was genuinely threatening. The U.S. national security establishment under both Democratic and Republican administrations has used Ukraine as an instrument to destabilize Russia and specifically target Putin. Very interesting. How come our media never reported on that? The article goes on to say, in the last year, that there have been two attempted pro-democracy inter-elite coups in pro-Kremlin states on Russian borders, Belarus and Kazakhstan. Both of these so-called color revolutions failed, but Ukraine represents a much more pressing concern, especially given the country's push for NATO membership, which Biden officials like Secretary of State Antony Blinken publicly encouraged last year with no intention or possibility of actually making it possible. Yet rather than compelling the United States to rethink the wisdom of planting the NATO flag on Russia's border, Putin's escalating rhetoric and troop movements only made the Biden team dig deeper. But it gets worse. During 2013 to 2014, under the Obama administration, they backed a coup that toppled a Russian-friendly government in Kiev. This was called the Maiden Revolution, a sequel of sorts to George W. Bush's backed Orange Revolution back in 2004 to 2005. And again, that same Obama foreign policy team, Blinken, Jake Sullivan, Victoria Nuland, who we just heard from, and Susan Rice were a part of the White House and State Department during that time. So uh, Ukraine is a buffer state between Europe and Russia. For those of you that don't know, this article goes into debt on that, which basically means that they need to remain neutral. They can't choose a side or else they're going to be taken over by one of the powers that they are in between. So Ukraine gave up its nuclear arsenal in 1994 in exchange for U.S. security guarantees in the event its neighbors, Russia in particular, turned hostile. But in 2013, the European Union offered Kiev a trade deal, which many misunderstood as a likely prelude to EU membership. So that was another thing that just made tensions rise between Russia and Ukraine. The trade deal was ill-conceived an EU project to take a shot at Putin with what seemed like little risk. The idea was to flood the Ukrainian market and therefore also the Russian market with European goods, which would have harmed the Russian economy. And then at that time, the Ukrainian president, Viktor Yanukovych, rejected the deal and accepted a um, aid package that Russia offered in replace of this EU deal. And then what ended up happening? The U.S. came in, the Obama administration came in and organized street demonstrations for what became history's most tax-savvy and PR-driven regime change. So Newland and other Obama officials worked to assemble a new Ukrainian government that was friendly to the United States and therefore hostile to Russia. So it goes on, it even talks about in 2014, CIA Director John Brennan um, 
basically confirmed the agency's role in that coup back in 2014. Uh, they talk about Burisma. They talk about uh, 2016 and Hillary Clinton and how Hillary Clinton used Ukrainian officials to try to perpetuate this false Donald Trump colluding with Russia narrative. So read this article. It goes very in-depth on Russia's side of things, not taking sides in this situation. But I think they're, that both sides uh, you know, are somewhat corrupt. And in this situation, it's very important to understand where that Russian aggression is coming from. And of course, the U.S. is tied to that. Now, another thing that I am seeing is headlines such as this one, how Ukraine is winning the propaganda war. And this article talks about the ghost of Kiev, the the Snake Island story, all of the Ukrainian propaganda pieces that have just taken so much of our media's time, so much energy and so much attention. They're these fables, essentially, these Ukrainian war stories that are turning out to be absolutely false. The ghost of Kiev, nobody can confirm that. Uh, Anomaly was doing a stream on Zelensky that was very interesting, talking about how he was a former actor, talking about how he lied about Snake Island, saying that all of the troops there, they died at the hands of Russian forces, when in reality, they were actually just taken captive. None of them died. So all of this propaganda being pushed, and again, I said it before, but I'll say it again, to anybody saying, well, Ukraine just needs hope right now. Ukraine just really needs this, okay? So even if it's a lie, even if it's propaganda, like the people just really need something to hope in. Okay, understand that U.S. foreign policy decisions will be made based on this propaganda. That's why it's important, and that's why we shouldn't be lied to regarding this. Now, it's not just Ukrainians, because there are innocent Ukrainians that are falling at the hands of this conflict, of this war, of this battle. So, you know, refugees that are fleeing to Poland, it's very heartbreaking to see there are children involved. Ukrainians are feeling the impact of this, but so are Russians. Okay, there are innocent Russian people that are also being attacked in this situation, if you will. Not as heavily as the Ukrainian population, not as violently, they're not feel dealing with the repercussions. But let me show you guys what's currently happening to the Russian people who, again, are really not involved with the situation. These are innocent Russian people. So uh, RT News, which is a Russian news site has been banned on telegram in the uk on mobile devices that's per paul joseph watson and then if you try to to share rt article links twitter immediately goes this tweet links to a russian state affiliated website are you sure you want to share this so of course big tech swooping in with that censorship but they're not censoring any of the misinformation coming out of ukraine funny enough now carl built who is a co-chair of the european council on foreign relations tweeted this photo out it's of two little kids they're saluting uh, ukrainian military members as they drive by in tanks and uh, yeah, that photo was from back in 2016. But is Twitter fact-checking any of that? Is Twitter fact-checking the truth behind the Snake Island story? Is Twitter fact-checking the Ghost of Kiev story? Is Twitter fact-checking that Zelensky said, I don't need a ride, I need ammo? Because no one can confirm if that was actually a phrase that Zelensky even uttered. No, they're only fact-checking and censoring Russian 
media, which I think is a bad thing to do because we should understand both sides. Also from Disclose TV, just in Visa suspends all operations in Russia, all cards issued in Russia will no longer work outside of the country and any cards issued outside of Russia will no longer work within the Russian Federation. So again, these are innocent Russian people who now do not have access to their banks if they're outside of their country because they're Russian. So that, I, I mean, doesn't seem like a great thing to me, to be to quite honest to you. This Twitch streamer also tweets out, so PayPal has stopped working in Russia today and Twitch will no longer pay Russian streamers. Thank you very much for cutting my only source of income. I am sure this will solve all of the world's problem. And she has a blue and yellow. This is like a Russian streamer, apparently, who has the blue and yellow hearts in her Twitter handle, apparently standing in solidarity with Ukraine, but a Russian that is being discriminated against, essentially, for being Russian. So... Well, you know what? Yes, the conflict is sad, but at the same time, our media is taking the side of Ukraine while completely overlooking the West's involvement with Russian aggression and why Putin has decided to make this decision. And now all of these companies and organizations are attacking innocent Russian people because that's what this is. Shutting down people's access to their bank cards if they're outside of their country is an attack on that person's on that person's ability to travel, to access their funds. It's not a good thing. And again, just to truly highlight how ridiculous this whole situation is, if Ukraine was really worried about their country and their people, they wouldn't be uh, having their officials calling for Xbox, PlayStation, and others to bar Russian players amid the invasion. This article comes from Polygon. So apparently the mentality behind this is that if Russian players are banned from Microsoft and Sony, then it will encourage the Russian citizens to speak out and stop their, their government. Yeah, their government to proactively stop the disgraceful military aggression. So now Russian people can't even play on their Xbox because they're Russian. Uh, apparently, Ukraine's wanting them to go out and go fight against their own government and military, which, again, is just going to cause further conflict. Now, Putin has tried to have peace talks and, you know, has tried to talk with Zelensky. Uh, I believe they were in talks peace talks today or negotiation talks today. We'll see what happens on that front. But it's absolutely disgusting to me that we have U.S. officials that are continuing to push this war and warmonger and beat those war drums and say, yeah, let's go to war. Let's go to war. Let's go to war. And it's like, how about we don't do that? How about we uh, rather negotiate this whole situation out? Maybe the West stops, uh, you know, Funding biolabs on Russia's border. Maybe NATO stops trying to encroach on Ukraine because Ukraine is supposed to be a buffer state. Again, Ukraine's deadly gamble. Go read the article. Very, very interesting. But no, the U.S. wants to make money off of this situation. The U.S. wants to use this as a distraction from the internal collapse of America from within. And if we really were worried about it, then we wouldn't be seeing headlines like this one from Rebel News. While the war in Ukraine rages on, the U.S. Army is pushing through a mandatory training program for enlisted soldiers on gender pronouns, coaching officers on how to offer service members gender reassignment surgery. So we have let our military be infiltrated by mentally ill people, and now we are training them up and re-educating our military to um, be mentally ill themselves. I, I, 
I don't even like, you know, reporting on this in a comical manner because it actually is terrifying to me. And I've talked about this previously about how I really do think that they're pushing out all of the like truly freedom loving and American loving military members out of the military. So that way our military can be made up of these radical leftists that will turn on your average American citizens that is willing to stand up for their rights and freedoms in a minute. We played a video of a military member. She was a lesbian who was like, when martial law is declared, who do you think the gun's going to be turned on? It's going to be turned on you. We've played that video. So that's kind of my theory on that front. And I didn't even know if that would even be considered a theory when that's what's going on. Look at the destruction of our country from within. It's not even just our military, okay? It's the next generation. It's our colleges. It's our institutions. It's our corporations. You see how bank accounts are being shut down for Russians, for Canadians. What do you think is going to happen here in America? Yeah, um, the DHS saw that you were retweeting an old post about President Trump, and we think that that's domestic terrorism, so we're just going to have to uh, cut you off from your bank accounts because we think that you're dangerous and you need to go to jail. That's our future. That's where this re-education leads us. Now, let me circle back, like Jen Salki, to what's currently going on here at home on that subject of re-education. Uh, Leah Thomas is going to be competing in the NCAA Women's Swimming Tournament or Championship. And this is a man. His name's William. I tweeted out someone needs to tell Leah Thomas that uh, he's a dude that's ruining women's sports. Because during a Sports Illustrated interview, he said that he doubled down on his gender identity and hinted at wanting to compete in the upcoming 2024 Olympic Games. And there's a beautiful picture of this stunning, stunning man. Just because you grow out your hair doesn't make you a woman. Leah still has his dick and he's still sexually attracted to women, by the way. He makes all of his Penn State swim team members very uncomfortable They've expressed this and, you know, swinging your dick around a woman's locker room would have been considered sexual harassment a decade ago. Now, if you're uncomfortable with it, you're the problem in society. You know who else is the problem in society? Matt Schlapp, one of the founders of CPAC, he retweets the Leah Thomas article and goes, no matter what one thinks of Leah's ability to swim with women, her story deserves our compassion. It will be interesting to hear Leah's point of view in 30 years. So this is conservatism in the modern day. And to be quite honest with you, one of my life goals is to go protest CPAC at CPAC because I think that this entire organization is pathetic. And if I ever get asked to go speak at CPAC, I'll know that I've become weak and soft because this organization is absolutely pathetic to the entire conservative movement. And Matt Schlapp calling himself a conservative is a disgrace. He can't even call out. He doesn't even understand the difference between the two genders. He's calling a man a woman. And he's saying that we need to have compassion. What about all of the women who had the opportunity, the scholarships, the medals, the records stripped away from them because this man, that is a man, took away their opportunity. What about them, Matt Schlapp? But you don't give a damn about that, which is why you platform people like Caitlyn Jenner at your conferences. You're pathetic. Let's move on. Now, Florida Senate Democrats were protesting the don't say gay bill that Governor Ron DeSantis proposed and decided to walk through 
I'm not sure which building this is, but they're basically walking through um, either a school or some type of uh, capital building in Florida. And, and this is what they were chanting. Again, this is um, elected officials in U.S. Congress. So... Honestly, guys, I, I see videos like that for my podcast listeners. It was three old women, arms linked together, just chanting, gay, 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 gay. I've really thought about this. And a lot of women aren't going to like this take. But I truly don't believe that women should have the right to vote. Because when I watch videos like that, I would give up my one vote so that 20 rabid feminists would not be able to vote. I would forfeit my one rational vote, so 50 other psychopathic women that are voting with their emotions are not allowed to vote. So that's my viewpoint on that. And what are these women protesting, by the way? From Matt Walsh, here is the so-called don't say gay bill, and all it requires is that teachers don't discuss sexual orientation and gender identity with children in third grade and younger. The left is so determined to sexually indoctrinate your kids that they're treating this like the apocalypse. And then there's a subset of that bill, which I doubt any of these officials actually read. It says... Classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a matter that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. The word gay is not mentioned at any point in the bill. But the media is not going to tell you that. These legislators aren't going to tell you that. They're just going to go scream gay through the halls because that's what they think is going to change America. I've talked about often, too, to keep your eye on Texas because we are not going to be a Republican stronghold for long because we are being infiltrated by liberals from California and all of these other states. This was at the uh, at a university here in Denton, which is right next to where I live up here in Dallas. Um, basically, James Younger is this little boy whose mother was brainwashing him into thinking he was a little boy and his father, I believe his name is Jeff Younger, was like, yeah, I don't want my son to transition. He's like four years old. Please stop brainwashing him and confusing him because uh, James would go to his mom's house and feel pressured to wear girls' clothes. And then when he was with his dad, he would just wear boy clothes and be normal. And th the judge, unfortunately, uh, rewarded his mother custody and his mother's trying to take him through like hormone therapy and stuff. So heartbreaking. So, um, Jeff Younger trying to run for Congress here in Texas, he was trying to have a speech at UNT Denton and Antifa came and showed up. And this is the average state of free speech in America. Let's listen. Free speech. Currently hearing is a rabid, fat, 
off Jeff Younger for going and speaking with a conservative organization at UT Denton. UNT Denton. UT Denton. It's one of the two. Protest season is in full effect, and I'm not surprised to see this, especially ahead of the midterms, but this is going to continue to ramp up and ramp up. Now, this is a father who is fighting for his son, and what do these radical, fat, ugly Antifa members come and do? They come and they shut down speech, and why do they do that? Because the truth and reality of transgenderism is that a lot of Young kids and teenagers, once they are pressured into it by their therapists or counselors or doctors, because that is a very real thing that is happening, go look it up, they regret it and they detransition. But at that point, they've already got mastectomies, they've already gotten their breasts cut off, they've already gotten castrated, and their lives are permanently altered and they deal with the highest suicide rates and depression rates. So... That is why Antifa has to go shut this down because they know the reality of what they're pushing and it's not a good thing. Transgenderism leads to, like I said, record high suicide rates and it's not an ideology that is the most beneficial for the average person in society, but this continues to be pushed on the next generation. Now, another big issue in this country is our open border Again, media wants you focused in on Russia and Ukraine. Please overlook the wide open border where, for example, the arrival of illicit fentanyl has completely changed the game. There is this graph here that highlights the amount of fentanyl deaths from 2000 to 2022. And back in 2000, it was below 5,000, go up to 2022 skyrocketed to over 60,000 fentanyl deaths per year. So this is heartbreaking to see. This is a result of our wide open border. And many people have tried to call this out and say, you know what, like people are being killed, people are being poisoned, we need to get this under control. I have a, a couple of Border Patrol connections myself that told me that the Biden administration had severely defunded uh, certain portions of Border Patrol that were specifically targeted towards drug trafficking. And so there's just drugs pouring over our border right now, killing Americans. Media doesn't give a damn about it. Why doesn't the media give a damn? Because they're too busy lying to you and rewriting the narrative. Project Veritas just came out with this bombshell today about the New York Times and January 6th. Now, a New York Times reporter was one of the latest people caught on camera basically saying that there were a ton of FBI informants among the people, people at the Capitol on January 6th and that the left overreacted to it and it was ridiculous, but the New York Times still ran with the story and continued to perpetuate it, to perpetuate it a year later. Listen to this clip. It's like January 6th stuff that is like so over at this point. It's so over. The left's overreaction, the left's reaction to it in some places was so over the top. It was like me and two other colleagues who were there who were outside. And we were just having fun. Dude, come on. Like, you were not in any danger. Matthew Rosenberg is a Pulitzer Prize-winning national security correspondent for the New York Times. Are you allowed to have that much fun on January 6th? I, I just have to be mourning. I know, I know. It's so, so traumatized. <laughs> but like, and all these colleagues who are in the building, I'm like, oh my God, this is so scary. I'm like, oh, Is that really the vibe, Matt? From them. I'm like, yeah. come on. Like, 
It's not the kind of place that can sit tossing a man up, but I kind of want to. You're like, dude, come on. Like, you were not in any danger. I'm Zola, and then I'm Adam. Who's inside? Little, little dweebs who keep going on about their trauma. Like, guys, shut the f up. I don't know if they wrote about their trauma. This chick named Emily Cochran and this guy named Nick Fandos. They're both like in their 20s. Nick like, can we do like part two of that? Like what's going on in the years from January 6th kind of like memory holding it? Like maybe it's no big deal. Yeah, we can do that. It's a little quick turnaround. So we've we'll been doing the last few days. That's the story. But sort of meeting. And I'm like, you know, one of the issues here is that like on the Fox News of the world and other elsewhere is that the less overreaction, the less reaction to it in some places was so over the top that it gave the opening the right even to start introducing the idea of well. These people are So there you guys go. That was one of the people who works for the New York Times. I believe James O'Keefe said he was what a managing editor. And in that clip, he's talking about the New York Times reporters who were in the Capitol building on January 6th. And he's laughing at them saying that they need to man the F up and get over it because they were talking about their trauma. And he even admits in this clip, they were not in any danger. They were fine. And that the media, the New York Times keeps pushing and perpetuating the scary narrative that January 6th was an insurrection that could be comparable to Pearl Harbor and 9-11, when in reality, the same exact people working at the New York Times knows that's a lie. So that's your American media. That's the people who are writing the narrative for you. And what are they keeping you distracted from? Well, I will show you. They are keeping you distracted from the fact that the FDA lost their lawsuit against the, let me make sure I say this correctly, the Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency, the FDA lost their lawsuit against them, and they were forced to release the Pfizer clinical trial data documents. They've, they've since released the first 10,000 pages, and there is quite a bit of shocking information in there. If you guys want to know more about these documents or read about them yourself, Go follow the attorney that is helping with this lawsuit. His name is Aaron Siri at Aaron Siri SG on Twitter, or go to phmpt.org. That stands for Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency. They have been at the forefront and they are the ones um, leading the charge against suing the FDA, who, remember, were trying to keep these documents and this data hidden for upwards of 55 years from the American public. So that's what they want to keep you distracted from. That's what the media doesn't want you focused in on. What else? Headlines like this one from the Blaze Media. We already knew this, but a good reiteration. Exclusive, the federal government paid hundreds of media companies to advertise the COVID-19 vaccine while those same outlets provided positive coverage of the vax. In response to a FOIA request filed by The Blaze, HHS revealed that it purchased advertising from major news networks including ABC, CBS, and NBC, as well as cable TV news station Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. They go on even further. New York Post, LA Times, Washington Post, BuzzFeed, Newsmax, hundreds of local newspapers and TV stations. They were collectively responsible for publishing countless articles and video segments regarding the vaccine that were nearly uniformly positive about the vaccine in both terms, in terms of both its efficacy and safety. And now it's been revealed that these news organizations were paid by the federal government to advertise for the vaccines as part of a comprehensive media campaign. So I, I said that we already knew this one, and uh, we did know that the majority of the media 
was sponsored by Pfizer, but this is actually a new one there. My apologies on that front. It was the federal government as well. Not only these big pharma corporations sponsoring the media, it was also our federal government paying hundreds to um, media companies to advertise those COVID vaccines. Even some of our favorites like Newsmax and Fox News. Not that I would even venture to say that those are our favorites, but uh, I guess they give some voice to the right wing, Tucker Carlson, truly one of the only credible people. I also like Laura Ingram that are on Fox News. Uh, Newsmax, I don't love them at all. I won't get into the details of why, but just know that they're pretty fake on their front. From just the news, Biden administration appeals to Supreme Court to stop unvaccinated Navy SEAL deployments. The original court filing included 26 Navy SEALs who were challenging the vaccine mandate on religious grounds. So the Biden administration still continuing that war on the unvaccinated. And just to, again, reiterate what this vaccination is doing to people, Louis Traub on Twitter says, I'm 41 and on now heart medication thanks to Moderna. I used to be healthy, teach snowboarding and climb Colorado's 14,000 foot peaks. Now it's hard climbing up a flight of stairs thanks to hashtag vaccine side effects. And then he puts pictures up of what his life used to be like pre-vax and post-vax and pre-vax he's snowboarding he's climbing mountains he's living life post-vax he's in a hospital bed with a face mask on but of course big tech big pharma the media does not want you to know any of that more of an update on some covid news mayor of new york city eric adams said that masks the mandates have pretty much ended in the city for everybody except for children under five years of age, including programs contracted by the New York City Department of Education with the three and four-year-old children, as well as 3K and 4K classrooms and district schools. Masks will continue to be required for these settings. And again, I've read the John Hopkins studies of the mortality rate for children that got COVID if they had no underlying conditions, the 0% mortality rate, they would not die from it. So this is absolutely ridiculous and disgusting that we are subjecting our children to this. But not every single state is like that. Luckily for Florida, they have Governor Ron DeSantis, who has finally had enough of the face masks. He's leading the charge, and he's one of the only politicians brave enough to do something like this. This was his visit to USF, and this was his message to students who are wearing face masks for... Um, their photo op for his press conference. Let's listen. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF. There is Ron DeSantis, a true, if you want to put the label on him, alpha male saying, you know what, this is absolutely ridiculous enough with the COVID theater. And you think that children all across Florida would be cheering. And many of those kids did just like immediately whip their face mask off. They were like, oh, thank God. Well, one of the students that was behind Ron DeSantis for that, his mother spoke out. And she was so upset that Ron DeSantis told her son that he could take his face mask off if he wanted to. Let's listen to that newscast. And the most rich part of this entire news stand-up is that her son is wearing a face mask and she's not. It's just, oh my gosh, the hypocrisy. It's just like these leftists are such idiots. Watch this clip. I'm responsible for him. And I told him to wear that mask. And Governor DeSantis, and he's looking at this adult authority and, and he's telling him, oh, you don't have to wear the mask. What was your reaction when you heard the governor tell you and your classmates, remove your masks? Um, a bit of surprise and shock, more of, okay, this 
authority, authority this authority figure is asking me to do something that I know is probably going to end up being controversial. So I took my Okay, and I want to stop that clip there because that right there is the entire problem with the education system. Now, Ron DeSantis was telling him to do a good thing, breathe freely, stop with the COVID theater, but listen to this kid's mentality. Uh, I had an authority figure telling me to do something controversial, uh, so I just did it. That's the average mindset of the indoctrinated student coming out of U.S. classrooms. They are taught to be subservient to authority. They are taught to do whatever authority tells them, which is why for the past two years and still in the modern day, people are wearing face masks because they were taught to be subservient. And when they go out and become adults, they are subservient to their federal government who tells them to jump. They say, how high daddy government? Now let's go on and uh, go over two more news stories before we wrap up tonight's show. It's been a long one. So thank you for sticking with me. I didn't do shows last week because I was getting ready for my new job, which has been freaking amazing. I love it. I absolutely love it. I've been on the ground covering events all around America, and I missed giving commentary on the State of the Union, but in um, one sentence or less, it was absolute trash. Joe Biden mumbled and jumbled his way through it, and Nancy Pelosi did whatever the hell this was. So for my podcast listeners, homegirl's on crack and she's just like rubbing her hands together. I don't know what's going on in this clip. It's it's just horrific. And so many people were like, is she on cocaine? Because she's like, I don't know, doing what with her gums? She's like sucking in on her dentures, like sucking on her gums. It, oh, it's just weird. That whole State of the Union was an absolute train wreck. And then um, final clip of the night, and then we'll get to one more headline and we'll wrap up. This was uh, footage from a pro-mask protest in New York City. This was on March 2nd. And it is a group of women who are protesting for masks. Let's watch. Fight up in two to three groups. Okay, here we go. Mask for loved ones, mask for friends. It's not about you, also not hard to do. Just because we're tired doesn't mean it's over, mandate masks. Stop, stop the clip. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Jeez, I didn't want my last brain cell to die. I think it almost did. I think it just committed suicide after I forced it to watch that clip. <sighs> Why is America like this? Imagine living in a country that rewards you so much privilege that you willingly protest against your own freedoms. More importantly, against your own child's future. It's absolutely pathetic, but I'm not going to leave you guys on that black-pilled note. We're going to end on a good note. From Re Rebel News Canada, Ta Tamara Lish, one of the organizers behind the Canadian Freedom Convoy, has won an appeal and will now be granted bail. So Tamara Lish in Canada no longer will be in jail. She's been granted bail. Granted, she should not be in jail to begin with because she didn't do anything wrong. 
But I'm glad that she's no longer in a jail cell and she will be granted bail. So just wanted to end the show on that positive note. Again, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Rapid Fire. I apologize that our normal schedule got a bit upended, but I am starting this new job. If you have not watched my latest show, I am no longer working with Slightly Offensive and Elijah Schaefer. I am now doing some independent reporting on the ground. I am covering protests and rallies. By the way, if there is a good protest around you that you think I should cover or a good event, please leave me a news tip at savsayscontact at gmail.com. I'm going to be traveling for the next year covering all of the insanity going on in this country and still trying to provide political commentary to you when I can. So thank you always for tuning into my show. Please remember to leave a five-star review if you like the podcast. Go to SavSaysOfficial.com for more of my research. Go follow me on Truth Social at SavSays. If you would also like to support me further, my PayPal link is down below. But the best thing that you guys can possibly do for me is just leave me your likes, leave me your comments, leave me some support. A lot of you have been sending me an art, which has been awesome. I post all of the art that you guys send to me on my alt Instagram account at TranquilSav, at T-R-A-N-A. Q-U-I-L-S-A-V, Tranquil Sav. I post all of the art that you guys send to me there because I think it's awesome. And I really feel honored that you guys take time out of your lives to listen to me and spend time with me and just walk through the insanity of America. So thank you for contributing your time to this show. I am so appreciative, appreciative of you sitting through all of my own mumbles and jumbles. You guys are the best audience I could ask for. Thank you for the support always. My name is Savannah Hernandez.